This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. different hopefully some new some new uh audio visual stuff um we're not doing it for my computer because our computer camera sucks but doing it from my iphone um we're just seeing if it's streaming live on the revolution page are we yeah all righty so um Going to kind of start that one over just because, you know, audio-visual stuff is always fun and interesting. Um, but, yeah, good morning, everyone. Welcome to tuning in to Revolution Church Minneapolis. Uh, what is today? The 24th of January. This month has been going by very, very fast. Um, we just, last week, if people tuned in or listened, we were in South Dakota but today we're back in uh, St. Paul, and uh, yeah, and as like I've always said before, it it snows a lot here, and it snowed last night. It's really beautiful outside. It was uh, some nice fluffy snow, um, and not that wet, nasty stuff. So, anyway, enough about that. Um, yeah. So, as I've said before. I've been doing um, a lot of kind of deep searching uh, within the Gospel of Matthew. There's a lot of portions of Matthew that I think I've glossed over or looked over in in my you know years of being raised as a, as a youth and even as a as a um, young adult and even you know older now in my 30s. And there's just a lot of good stuff that's packed in in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, as people know, um, within my faith and in my understanding, I don't th- I'm not a person who believes the Bible is inerrant, which means the Bible's with not without error or infallible. I believe the Bible's authoritative, that it has authority in our life because we let it as the listeners. Um, hang on, are we are, am I angled good and straight? Okay. Just a little looks a little wanky on on my end, but hey, if it's working and the audio quality is good, then I think we're just gonna use use uh, this setup from here on out. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, within within the Gospel of Matthew, there's obviously it wasn't written for us, it wasn't written for our context, for our people. Um, okay, Curtis is saying it seems to be working to me. So I'm just going to keep doing that and uh, keep going on. 
So I always get nervous when we try out new ways to do things just because I'm like, oh, I want to make sure it works. I want to make sure it works. Hello, Scotty. Thanks for tuning in. Um, so, yeah, with the Gospel of Matthew, it's it's I have this love and hate relationship. I know one of my one of my earlier sermons, and I didn't mean to shut up, maybe connected it to this Matthew one was about being anxious and, you know, all that stuff. And I had a lot of uh, issues and pushback with that. And I just like, I want people to know when they read scripture, they don't always have to agree word for word at what it says. You can say, hey, that, that made sense. Or like today, there's going to be a part of scripture that I read, like, even when I was rereading it to, you know, in order for prep, uh, for preparing for the day, I was like, I just don't like that word. I don't like that kind of that phraseology. Not saying I'm going to throw it all out with the bathwater, but how we can look at this, how we can reinterpret, not reinterpret it, but interpret it for us in our, in our life today. Um, and in this portion of Scripture, we've probably heard a lot of people talk about it. Um, easier said than done, and I've said, you know, all throughout doing Revolution since November, I don't have all the answers. I'm a pastor, but clearly pastors don't have all the answers. We can give you food for thought. We can say, like, hey, maybe you should do this, or maybe you can, um, you know, this might help you more than, you know, doing it this way. And I'm and I'm just, you know, full transparency, that's, that's what it is. Um, life is life. Sometimes there's Sometimes it's easier said than done. So the portion of Scripture we're going to deal with today is in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's Matthew five forty-three through 48, and it's called Loving Your Enemies or Love Your Enemies. And if people are uh, paying attention to what's happening, not just in America, around the world, pandemic, political stuff happening, People know a couple weeks ago the insurrection happened. This past week we had a new, the new president, vice president sworn in. Very divisiveness in our country, and I know other parts of the world, whether politically, religiously, there's this contention that's going on. And uh, loving your enemies sounds way easier than it is, and I'll be the first one to tell you that. Loving your enemies is something at the core of who we are as a person we don't want to do. Uh, when someone wrongs me, when someone wrongs my wife, someone hurts my daughter's feelings, so on and so forth, a friend, the, the first instinct, the first uh, gut reaction that I want to do is not to forgive them, not to love them, not to break bread with them, not to do any of that. Uh, everything inside of me wants to be angered, wants to be mad, wants to be divisive, wants to and swear at them, you know, spit like this venomous kind of language and attitude towards them. And a lot of us do that, Full, you know, transparency. I'll do that sometimes. If someone makes me mad, hurts my feelings, hurts loved ones' feelings or, or any of that, the first thing I want to do is just be angry at them. And like I said last week, I think it's kind of cool how um, how all this it, um, not seamlessly weaves together, but does weave together. And 
I sometimes I just uh, to be honest as a pastor we need to be brutally honest preaching this is almost I don't want to use a language that like with the word conviction but it is in a way it's convicting me it's bringing things and thoughts up into my own mind and heart that I don't want to I don't want to love my enemies I don't uh, people who hurt me people who wrong me everything inside of me wants to be angry at them and continue to be angry at them and and to to be like why do i want to be and and when you love your enemies it doesn't mean you ha- you're being friends with them it doesn't mean that you're going to go out for a beer or a coffee or break bread with them hang out with them but loving your enemies is when that person wrongs you when that person uh wants to belittle you, demean you, whatever, whatever negative connotation that goes there, you don't want to love them. And loving them, and love is a word that I think humans throw around like, oh, that's cool or that's sweet. And love is a very deep, meaningful word. When you when I say I love my wife or I love my daughter, there's some meaning behind that. It's just like, wow, love it's not like I like you or I care about you. It's I love, and love has that oomph, that that power. And so when it's saying love your enemies, that's 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 saying like that drive, that emotion that's in your heart. You need to do that for your enemies. And this is that it's that subversiveness that I feel like if I can say like the, all throughout. The Gospel of Matthew, at least for what we are talking about so far, is how all of this is weaved together in this kind of subversiveness, this subversive um, underpinning of this is how humans do it, this is how the Romans do it, or this is how this group of people do it. But it almost is like Jesus is saying, if you want this this ethic of, of Christianity, if you want to follow me, if you're wanting to... Uh, be in my kingdom and in whatever heaven is, then you need to do these things. Um, where before I go on, if you see my face really lit up, it's not that God's glory is shining on me. It's a very bright day in the Twin Cities, and we have blinds and quasi drapes. So, you know, we got to do with what we got to do. We don't have a studio, we have our living room. So, if every you know, if it's hard to watch my face. It is what it is, but please continue to watch. We, we love it. So having that ethic, having that, that, um, that ethic of love and, and giving people grace and giving people that love is something that's so important. It's part of being in that, that kingdom. And like I've said earlier, I don't want to do that. Even as a pastor, I don't want to do that. I don't want to love people who have hurt me, whether willfully doing so or not, not, not knowing. There's everything inside me that doesn't want to forgive them, that doesn't want to love them, even though we're supposed to. And so the first scripture I'm going to read, I'm reading um, chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. And it's kind of like what I like to do with kind of my MO. It's just kind of going verse by verse in this section and to see what what they're saying, see what we can get from it, to see how we can understand it or interpret it. So Matthew 5, verse 43, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
Um, and then verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So, yeah, it's kind of, kind of, you know, easy to understand. You've heard what I said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's, that's, I think that's kind of uh, universal all over the world. We're told by our parents, by grandparents, aunts and uncles, loved ones, you know, school teachers, principals, whoever, yeah, you need to love your, or you need to be friends and, and, and you love your neighbor, whoever your neighbor is. Um, and I don't think people will say hate your enemy, but I think most people's understanding is, hey, you know, uh, what if your neighbor is a jerk? What if they're an ass? What if, what if, you know, they, you know, keep parking in your parking spot, like your apartment, or what if they're playing music super loud? What if they're just, you know, what if their dog poops in your lawn and you slip on it all the time? You know, just, I knew these are kind of little things, but that can cause you to, to really be angry and to get mad at them. But I'm, I'm going to look at it more of um, somebody who does something more aggressive, someone who maybe at work belittles you, calls you names, uh, will maybe make fun of you because you don't make as much money as them, or will belittle you because of your faith, or will belittle you because of whatever. And this, the, the verse 44 says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I'm, I don't think we live, most of us who are watching this, who are part of Revolution Church Minneapolis, and probably within your context, whether you're in America or overseas somewhere, um, I don't think most of us get persecuted. We're not talking about persecution like dying for your faith, getting beheaded like Peter and Paul did in the New Testament. But uh, persecuting can, I look, I mean, I don't have the definitive def- definition, but, you know, persecution is kind of like those who are mocking you, those who are belittling you, those who are uh, just making fun of you at every level. Um, And so the scripture is saying, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's tough. I don't want to do that. Honestly, I don't want to do that. But I have to do that. If I want to have this love ethic, following this Jesus philosophy, following this um, ethic that we're, this mandate in a way that we're given, I have to pray for my enemies, even if they persecute me. And I have a couple, like I, I bring this up, but it's, it's, it's something that is relevant in, in my life. I have a coworker who, we were quasi-friends and, you know, talked to me about his family. I talked to him about my family, so on and so forth. And somehow there was this falling out that we had. I don't know why. I don't know if it's something I did. I don't know if it's something he did and whatever. And he just was vile towards me. He kept cursing me out, kept making fun of my faith, even though he says he's a Christian just every other word out of his mouth was F you, Brian, F that, you suck at work, you, you know, just, just, and I would come home and you can ask my wife, Amanda, like, I was just spent. I was just, all my emotions, all my, uh, not just my emotions, but everything, just like, I was angry, I was sad, I was anxious, I had all these things, and I was like, I have never been treated that way as a as a person, and yeah, I know I'm allowed, you know, when I'm around my friends, I'm loud and 
I'm there. I'm not. I'm opinionated with my theology, but not opinionated in the way where like you're wrong. But and I, I, I think it was maybe something that I said to this guy about a theological idea or theme, and he disagreed with me, and that broke with him. And he, it's somewhere in his head, he's like, I cannot be friends with Brian. I don't like him anymore. I just whatever. And I would say for the last year year and a half since this went down every time i see him and he sees me we don't we don't i work at a college here in the twin cities and we don't work in the same areas but there's going to be times when we have meetings and and uh times that we have to get together he won't look at me he kind of just does this you know when he sees me he kind of puts his head up and walks away like being kind of really snooty or whatever and that signifies to me like this guy is a jerk he's he's mad at me i don't look at it as persecution i I think some of these words in here um was appropriate for the time when the scripture was written but not necessarily for us at least in our context we're not getting persecuted but the whole thing is like he's my in my head i didn't use this word but it's in, in essence what it is like he was my enemy he was my friend and 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 he was my enemy now and it was just this, I would see him at work and I'm like, I'm not going to talk to him. I, you know, I was cursing him out underneath my breath. I would go to some other coworkers and be like, oh, don't be friends with this guy. He's an ass and he, he'll do this. He'll turn on you. He'll be, he'll be this, this, and this. And as I've been doing revolution and as I have been going through the, the gospel of Matthew, something has changed in me. And what's changed in me was talking, you know, I hate it when preachers are like, or parents are are like, don't do what I do, do what I say. So I I was doing that. I was like saying to you who listen to Revolution, or I was saying to like my daughter, like, be nice to people, love people, be kind to your neighbors. And, you know, doing this like Jesus ethic, but then I was going to work and I was bad mouthing my enemy. I was calling him an asshole or a shithead or just any of these words that was belittling him because he hurt me and he, he made me less than. And so, but now, and I've even went to like my coworkers and who know, uh, you know, I'm a pastor who know that, you know, obviously this isn't full time, but they know that, you know, a lot of people have some skittish views on pastors. You know, we all do. But I don't want to be one of those people who are like, oh, I'm supposed to, you know, talking about love and acceptance and grace and and forgiveness, but then I'm going around and I'm not doing it myself. That that puts uh, a target on my back to be like, oh, Brian's one of those typical pastors who's, you know, says this and then doesn't act that way. And so what I've been talking about anger, these emotions, when I've been talking about forgiveness, and so coming, doing this sermon, this talk, is actually therapeutic for me in a way because by me even coming up with this conversation, this talk, it's helping me go through my own emotions and it helping me go through my own understanding that, you know, like this coworker of mine, I need to pray for him. I need to send him good thoughts, good vibes, send it out to the universe, whatever. It doesn't mean I need to go to him and say, hey, I've forgiven you or whatever. That's not what it's about. But it's more of 
in my own heart and in my own mind, I have to say, you know what, this individual really, really gets under my skin, just really just gets under my crawl. I don't know what I've done to him, why he's acting the way he is to me, but I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to, I'm going to love him because I, you know, and I, and I said to one of my other coworkers who knows him, I said, I don't know what he's going through in his life. I don't know if his marriage is doing great. I don't know if his kid loves him. I don't know if they're hurting financially. I don't know if he's in trouble at work either. I don't know any of these things. And so I was like, instead of me in my head just being like, gosh, I'm just so mad. I'm so mad. Like, this guy hurt my feelings. All this, all this, all this. Then I just have to sit back and be like, you know what, God, wherever you are, what, whoever you are, I'm praying for this person. They're, they're my enemy. I don't want them to be my enemy. And maybe in this guy's mind, I'm still his enemy. But the way I look at it is my, you know, I, I've just kind of looked at it and I'm like, you know what, I can't, I can't be mad. I, I don't want him to be my enemy. I don't, because I'm a firm believer, like, whatever you put out into the world, if you're an angry, pissed off, just vile person, that's how the world's going to see you. That's how people around you are going to see you. And I don't want to be someone like that. I don't want someone to look at me, whether as my wife looks at me, my daughter looks at me, my friends, you guys out there and and wherever you are at in the world, I don't want you to be like, oh, Brian's preaching all this stuff, but he's a complete ass or he's completely saying things that that he's not living this, this, this way. So... As I said, this is very therapeutic for even me talking about this as well. But kind of going on, um, so yeah. But I, will, but I love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then moving on, it says, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. That has a lot of language that I don't use. I'm just going to say that you know it does. You know, sons and daughters. It says sons. It does say on the bottom, like, oh, you couldn't add daughter into there. It's obviously very patriarchal language. I would say just everyone, whether you're a man or a woman, um, just who your father is in heaven, for he makes the sunrise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and unjust. That's kind of one of those things that I've been told my whole life. You know, I, I've i talked with my mom. You know, I'm super close with my mom. A lot of you guys know that my father passed away years ago. But one thing that they instilled in me as a, as a little kid and as a young man was like life isn't fair. It's just not. You know, you could be the best person in the world, loving, giving the shirt off your back, obeying all these things that the Bible says to do, and you might live a crap life, meaning you might always be financially, you know, poor. You might not live in the best house or community. You you might not have all these things that you think in your head like, well, God, I did all these things right, or I did this and I did that. This verse right here is saying, and this is how my view of, of God is in a way. I'm like, God's not, uh, just because someone says that they're a Christian or person of faith doesn't mean your life's going to get be easy or it's going to be you know all sunshine and roses. Sometimes you're going to live a life where you're going to struggle and and every day is a struggle it's going to be hard to get out of bed you hate your job your family hates you you might have an addiction that you struggle with what whatever it is 
And then it also says, though, too, is that it, that um, evil and good go on the just and the unjust. That means who, no matter who you are, you could your neighbor down the street could be this most horrendous, evil, vile person, and good things are going in their life, in his or her life. They might have all the money in the world. They might you know, have the nicest car. They go out to eat all the time. They go on all these vacations or trips, and they have everything that you desire. And you might be like, God, 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 that's not fair. Or you go to, you know, you go to someone and you're like, you know what? I'm pissed. I'm angry. I've done all these things. I'm living life the right way. I'm being, you know, I'm loving my enemies. I'm loving my neighbors. Why is this happening to me? Why is that happening to them in the good thing? And why is all this shit happening to me? And I think we've all been there. I can say that. I've struggled with that through my life. Have you struggled through that too, Amanda? Yeah. We all have. That's normal. And, and, but knowing that I can't change anything about that, you can't change anything about that. None of us can change anything about that. And some people might be like, well, how is that, you know, making me want to like God or love God or follow God? It's not. It's just saying sometimes when you read scripture, it's just a gut punch where you read it and you're like, oh, uh, I don't really like that. And that's one of those portions, like, I'll be fully transparent. I don't like that. I don't like that good things can happen to bad people. And I don't like it if you're living a good life, trying to be whatever. Follow, follow. if you're a Christian, following the Ten Commandments, you know, not getting drunk or whatever, if that's how, how you do it. Or, you know, paying all your taxes and and paying all your bills on time or, or whatever. Or being on a budget because money is so tight and then you look and you're like this person is spending money frivolously and just all this and blah 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 and you're like why is my life so hard why is that person succeeding when i'm failing and like i said these are all these are all thoughts and emotions and feelings that we have and yeah it is it isn't fair i'll be the first one to tell you it isn't fair i get mad and i get angry but it, it what it's just so like that verse 45 um, it, it, it's a gut punch, you know, when, you know, and, and I like how he, I like how the author of this, which we think is, you know, Matthew, um, looking at it, um, for he makes this, and he's using weather, so makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So right there using that language, like the sun, it's bright, makes you feel happy you're getting your vitamin d you know whatever like it's sunny out right now it's kind of sucks for filming live but you get happy it's like yay and we and we we look at the sun and we're like oh gosh the sun it's it, you know it makes things grow it, you know the trees need it and the flowers need it and you know when the snow melt you know it's, it's making the snow melt and that's helping the grass grow underneath it and it's just so on and so forth but it also saying that that good stuff is happening to the just and the unjust. And it also says when it's raining, even though rain's good, but it's gloomy, it's dark, you kind of get this sadness sometimes if it's constantly gray and dark and murky out. And it's also saying that that's falling on the just and the unjust as well. So good things are going to happen to good people and bad people. And and bad and negative things are going to happen to good people and bad people as well. Whether we agree with it or not, it's just it's just reality. 
and further further going on for if you love those who love you what reward do you have do not even tax collectors do the same i'm just going to kind of finish it up here and then kind of just keep talking um and if you greet only your brother or sister what more are you doing than others do not even the gentiles do the same you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect So if you're loving someone just because they're good to you or happy to you, that's really not, that doesn't take a lot. Let's be honest. If if my neighbor is kind, gentle, generous, it's not going to take a lot out of me to turn around and do the same. Uh, happens my neighbor is very, me and him are very close. We're going to watch some football today. We're going to have some beers. But in that scripture, it's kind of saying, well, if you, if, if you love your neighbor, if you're kind to your neighbor, you have a good rapport, what, what, is that, what does that entail? That's not very hard. But it's when you have to love your enemies, that's where the real reward comes out. Because when you have to get up and it's like this weight on your back being like, oh, my coworker, my, maybe your father or your mother, maybe a relationship, you're like, oh, this is this weight. It takes more out of you when someone's angry at you, when someone's, uh, when some sort of thing is, has brokenness, and when you have to show grace. And, and I know Revolution, not just Revolution Church Minneapolis, but Revolution out in Seattle now, grace is a huge thing. We have to show the people the grace. We have to show people the benefit of a doubt. Um, and it's easier to show grace, let's be honest, it's easier to show grace to our neighbor, to our friend, to whoever, when we're happy with them, when everything's going right. It is harder, much, much, much harder to do when we're angry, when we're mad, when that person is uh, their enemy. And uh, I don't, I'm not going to get into... um, don't even the Gentiles do the same. Obviously, this text wasn't written to quote-unquote Christians. It was written to the Jewish people. So there's that. The one thing I wanted to to say that uh, I do not like this language, full transparency. Therefore, you must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. I don't, I've never liked the word perfect because it's. I feel like it's making you try to get to this peak or this mountain that that uh perfection you know it's like people are like oh perfection is attainable well no it's not we're always going to fail in our life and i would is god is my mentality and my interpretation of god perfect and holy and just yes and one of my professors had and it's never i've never forget for forgot the kind of the phrase he used he's like we as christians or people who follow jesus we're supposed to mimic what Jesus is teaching us in the gospel or what Jesus is teaching out throughout throughout the Bible itself. And I've always tried to kind of have that as my mantle is, you know, people are like, oh, well, Jesus was this and Jesus was that. And it's like, so the teachings and the messes of, G- of Jesus that we, we see in scripture, that we hear the, these narratives and these stories in the scripture about, we're supposed to mimic them. Doesn't mean we have to perfect them. It doesn't mean we need to be perfect. 
it means we need to mimic them. And I remember kind of that, that like, uh, when I was a little kid and I don't know how, how popular it is, but you know, you mimic someone like your dad or your mom or your brother will say something and you copy them and people get super annoyed by that. But when people are doing that, it's in a way is so it can be annoying, but I think a lot of people are doing it because they're like, Oh, this person is so cool. And I like what they're saying that I want to say the same thing. It's in a way it's mimicking. I look at the, the teachings and the message of Jesus and I'm like, that's so transformative that that that's so universal that that's not just in the bible that that we read about this but this is we're supposed to translate that into our life today and how we live today and so loving my enemy is so hard but what it says here in matthew is we need to strive to do that and that that portion of scripture like be perfect as as your father in heaven is perfect i can't be perfect and I'm not going to look at you and say, oh, strive for perfection, because I don't think perfection is attainable in this life to, for anyone, whether you're a person of faith or not. It's just life, life, it, we can't seek perfection, or as like Buddhists will say, like reaching that nirvana, reaching that like perfect point. I don't think any of us can. I don't think any of us can reach that perfection. So I disagree with that portion of Scripture when it's like, oh, you know, reach for that perfection. No, try to mimic the teachings of Jesus. Try to try to live your best life. Try to forgive your, your neighbor who slights you. Try to forgive your, you know, your mom or dad that you might just, you might have this contentious relationship for whatever reason. You know, I, I know it's when I started talking to my family about certain views on like, I de- you know, the popular word deconstruction in our vernacular now, there was things where I was like, oh, my mom might be mad at me or my brother might look at me in a different way or maybe my nieces might look at me in a different way. And so I was always scared and I was apprehensive, but, it was, but I'm like, what? not that my family was going to be my enemies, but I just didn't want to have that openness with them because I was nervous. I was afraid of what they were going to say. And I'm glad I had those conversations with them because we might not agree on all of it right now, but it's out of that that um, love and acceptance. Well, we're not enemies. We're friends. We're family. And, and it's hard. It's so hard when maybe your enemy is a loved one. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. It could be an aunt and uncle. It could be a grandparent. And that's really difficult. And I, I can honestly say that uh, I don't have that with any of my family. Um, but I do have enemy, kind of that enemy mentality with some people in my life. And that's why this sermon has been so meaningful and so, in a way, convicting. Uh, I do, like, like I said, I don't like using that word, but I don't think that there's a, a better word to describe it of like having to inwardly look into myself and say, hmm reading this and I'm supposed to mimic what these teachings say and, and kind of put on this mantle or this ideology of, of loving, um, loving my enemy. And while I was coming up with this sermon, there was a book, uh, that I had as a little kid and I wish I still had it. It was my favorite book. And any of us who have kids know that there's certain times in life where your kid might have a certain book or something that they're just like, read it to me, read it to me, read it to me. Ad nauseum, it could be like 15 times in a day, and you're like, dear Lord, why are you wanting to, to read this? But the book that I loved 
growing up was this little tiny book and it said let's be enemies and the whole the whole book was about two little kids and this i was you know early 80s child and the book was probably written about the time i was born or maybe even before and it was these two kids who they were friends and it kind of had them out playing in a sandbox and then i had them coloring and then i had them be whatever doing whatever um, but then it's one of the one of the friends did something that the other friend didn't like. It could have been like he didn't share a toy, he didn't share a crayon, something. And so then the little kid looks at the other one and he's like, "Let's be enemies." And he said, "Let's be enemies because you took something from mine that, or I, you didn't do something that I thought you should have done." And so then you know it kind of goes along in this little storybook of like oh, he wanted to go play with that friend again, and the friend was like, no, I'm mad at you. We're enemies, so on and so forth. But then it gets to the end where, and it's been years and years since I've read this, but kind of in the understanding, there was this point where the guy who was um, the enemy to the other friend who who was like, I'm going to be enemies with you. I'm going to be mad at you. He had this realization of, I don't want to be your enemy anymore. And he says that in the book. He's like, I don't want to be mad at you. I don't I don't want to be angry at you anymore. And towards the end there was this reconciliation. There was this like we're too good of friends to to be enemies. Uh, we don't we don't want this understanding of of being an enemy and and that book that that book and if you heard my daughter was in the uh, came out that's the fun thing about recording and doing these things live when uh, you have little kids or we have a cat in the other room too. So if you ever hear background noise, then it's either our cat, Jack, or my daughter, Ava. But that that book is still, I think that transfixed something in me even as a young kid of of having that mentality of loving someone even if they're your enemy. And I I've had friendships over my life uh where you know we might not be friends anymore just because you know that was maybe a season in my life that I was friends with them or or whatnot but that book has had, like even as a little kid reading it when I was three four or five six years old that kind of that that story has stuck with me I'm gonna be 38 in a few months and I read so I've read that book over 30 years ago and I can still remember it because of the meaning that was there that of what it meant was, Whatever re- and what and that was it was a very you know childlike thing. Oh, you took a crayon or you had a toy that I want. So let's be angry, let's be enemies. And and but that stuck with me even now as an adult to be like I can get mad at someone. I I can say I want to be enemies, but then it comes to a point where I'm like, why am I angry? Why am I mad? Why am I? wanting to be this way why am i so angry and there might be and i'm not trying to say if somebody has really slighted you maybe you know maybe a family member or a loved one has said something about your sexuality maybe they said something about the job you have or you don't make enough money or you don't have this and this that's going to be hard it's going to be hard to want to love them it's going to be hard to pray for them it's going to be hard to just have community with them i'm not i'm not trying to say like yo you need to do this or how dare you but I think what this portion of the scripture is literally trying to say is try your best if you say that you're a person of faith. 
or or even if you're not a person of faith because I don't want I'm I'm not thinking that everyone who watches this is a Christian and I hope not everyone that watches Revolution is a Christian but my hope is to take some of these and and what I say about Jesus is it's not necessarily about going to church or doing all the smells and bells or saying the right prayers or doing the right liturgy, but literally just trying to be a better person. Like I was saying to my mom the other day, we had a conversation last night and I was like, you know what, mom, I'm not in the business and in my understanding of having conversion. I'm, I, I'm in the business of con- like conversations. And that's what I want with revolution. I want to have conversations with people. I don't want conversion. I don't really believe in conversion. I, I, I want someone to just have a conversation. I said, if I can help someone be a better person in their life, and therefore I can be a better person, that's what, that to me is what life's all about, is, is, is leaving this world, leaving this place a better place than when I, how I've had it. At the end of my life, I want someone to be like Brian put into the world what he wanted to get back. So, being being friends, not maybe not friends, but loving your enemy is integral. It's key. It's it's what stuff is built on. And and I would I would be remiss to say like Matthew. When we look at Matthew, the person who we say is attributed to writing the Gospel of Matthew, he was a tax collector. And in all my years of seminary, the two things that my or the two jobs that were the negatives were the lowest in that culture was being a prostitute and being a tax collector. Though, if you were those two things, you I mean you were the lowest of the low. No one you made a lot of money, but no one liked you. And Ma- Matthew was a tax collector who literally worked for the worked for Rome came into these cities in Israel and said, hey, guess what? Uh, Give me this money. This money is, you you know, give us this money so we can give it back to Rome. Rome." This this group of people, this this nation who literally mocks Christianity, who who mocks Jesus, who, you know, their... their, uh, their king, in essence, was like, "I'm God." Uh, you know, who cares about this Jesus or whoever? I'm, uh, I am that God. And so Matthew, who is writing this gospel, was a tax collector. That's who he was. And I think it's so amazing that Jesus, all throughout New Testament, he goes to prostitutes. He goes to to um, Matthew, and he's like, "Follow me," because he's looking at these quote unquote who would be enemies to 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 the Jewish people, and he's like, "Hey, you know what?" Follow me, because once you start following me and start following my teachings and mimic what I have to say, you're going to be a better person. So even even Matthew, who's writing writing this this gospel, and probably one of the most important gospels, in my opinion, out of the four, he's a tax collector. And, And I think it's so amazing that we see Matthew saying these things like, love your enemies, because Jesus wants us to love our enemies. It's not easy. It's not right. Or not, I shouldn't say it's not right. It's not easy, but it's right to do that. And, I mean, we can see throughout scriptures where Jesus has went to, I mean, like Zacchaeus in the Old Testament. I love that Zacchaeus, and we probably have that song that goes in my head, like um, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Uh, you know, he was on top of a sycamore tree, 
you know, Jesus said, come down and have dinner with me or something like that. I mean, that's come. I mean, Zacchaeus, if I'm not mistaken, if he wasn't a tax collector, he was something like that. And so these people who were taking money from the Jewish people and therefore giving it back to Rome, like enslaving these people, it was like the government, these were government workers, this foreign government workers coming in and taking it from their people. And I'm just, I'm just transfixed by that, guys. I'm just transfixed that Jesus uses these people to say, even these people, these people who had the worst job, who were in, in, in this culture were the worst people, and I used them in order to turn it to good. And I don't know if Matthew continued to be a tax collector. I don't know if Zacchaeus continued to be a tax collector or any of these you know, women that, that Jesus talked to who were caught in adultery or, or, or prostitution or whatever. I don't know if they can, can continue to do that, and that's, I don't think that's the point. The point is, is Jesus were, was looking at these people who were, quote-unquote, the enemy and was showing them love and showing them grace and showing them this is this is this ethic this is that philosophy that i wanted that i want us to have and that's why i tell people you can think whatever you want about church you can think about um you can think about whatever about uh all the stories but at the end i want people to gravitate towards jesus calls broken people jesus calls people who are not perfect my grandma had died a long time ago but one of the things and before she died and if i get worked up and cry i'm sorry but i was i love her to this day very deeply and i don't remember it's it's i'm the older i get and the more time she's passed the more i realize how much my grandma loved me even though we were miles apart in our theology but I'd always look at, you know, my grandma would be like, oh, it's this in the Bible or this. And I was like, Grandma, when you look all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, you look at all these narratives and all these stories. I said, Jesus never calls people who are perfect, people who have it all together, people who, uh, uh, you know, have all these things that what we say, quote unquote, will make us happy in life. I said, he called prostitutes, whores. He, he called tax collectors. He called the lowliest of the low, imperfect people, to be the, the, to be the leaders of his movement. You, I, I look at Peter. Peter, we look at Peter. There's gospels written, not gospels, uh, epistles written either about him or by him. And Jesus says, my church, like my teaching, this is what it's going to, like what our conception, our idea of church goes back to Peter. And Jesus says, you are my, uh, the church is, you are the rock. This is what it's going to be built off of. And Peter was the person who denied Christ three times. Denied. Was like, I don't believe in this Jesus. I don't believe in this God. But yet that is what our church is based off of. But Jesus could be mad. Jesus, before he died, he could have been like, depart from me, Peter. You denied me. You know, you said you, you know, you said that you loved me, blah blah blah. And a lot of us in that situation would do the same thing. You denied me. You don't. You say you know me, but you now you say you don't. Get away from me! You're like you're a jerk. Get out of here. But it's that same ethic, that same love, where where Jesus just looks and was probably sad. But instead of getting angry, he is like the church is going to be built off of you. 
and, 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 and you know my teachings, you know what to do, so I'm going to build it off of there. And we look, just reading through Matthew, look at Matthew. He was a tax collector. He took money from the poor people, from the Jews, to give back to Rome. And Jesus was like, I'm going to give, I'm going to, you're going to be this person who follows me. So I could keep talking more as I keep going. All these more thoughts and ideas come, and I don't know how far we are. In, oh wow, I've been out talking for almost fifteen minutes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there. Um, I'm gonna have look through some of these comments. Mandy, do you want to just maybe read some of the comments? Okay, I can look at the comments. Um, let me see. Amanda, you wrote, I think that's the beauty of humanity when we don't agree on everything. As long as we have a discussion in an open and loving manner, we can see the world through another's eyes. We are all created in the image of God, the Imago Dei, yes. And every person gives a small glimpse of God. Uh, I'm I'm not even going to really go in depth with that because that's all just truth right there. Um, We are all created in the image of God, and we do all give glimpses of god um whether we're a perfect person or not and uh I, that that word in the image of god I, anytime i see the image of god my mind automatically switches to the imagio day which literally is translated in the image of god and i do think whether a person is a believer in god or not i do think we're all created in that image of god and out of that we all have the the uh perspectives of giving light or dark into the world um, let's see. My mom wrote, you remember the book well. Who knew it could make such a difference all those years later? And that's true. Um, anybody who knows me knows that I love reading. I have tons of books on my bookshelf. I remember a lot, and I remember not a lot from those things, but that book was a my favorite book for a reason as a young kid, because, and I would keep reading it over and over again. And yeah, like I said, 30 years later, that book is still meaningful to me um, to this day because it was that it it was saying how it was such a trivial thing that these two little fictitious kids in this story uh, were enemies, but then they realized, hey, I don't want to be mad. I don't want to be angry at, at you anymore. So let's switch this narrative. Let's switch this story and become friends. Um, Scotty, thanks for... Watch, watching, but and you also wrote, thank you for acknowledging Matthew's background as a key to understanding his gospel. He goes from being the selfish servant of a corrupt earthly empire to the selfless servant of a compassionate eternal kingdom. Uh, once again, uh, I'm not really going to, I can't say anything, but I, I, I be in utter agreement with that. Um, and that's the one thing uh, when we when we talk about we can look at Matthew and we know oh yeah the, the gospel of Matthew is in the Bible but we have to look at the men and women who wrote these stories who wrote these because they were flawed human beings and I'm always transfixed with Matthew of being that tax collector what what you know, exactly what Scotty says is is we have to understand who Matthew was what he did why he did it to actually give the gospel of Matthew such oomph, such meaning because Matthew was this person where we would look at like this is the lowliest of the lowly but then we look at scripture and probably one of the most impactful portions of scripture was written by that kind of a person and that to me just makes makes it beautiful it makes it come to come to life um i think that was it 
um, thank you for all those who um, sent some comments in. Um, as I've said every week, as I do, um, I always look back through these comments and and questions. And if someone like when we're done talking was like, "Oh crap, I forgot to put a comment or something in there," feel free to to go back and comment. I'll, I'll obviously it's not live, but it's uh, will be up there. Um, I really do thank you, Caleb, for those kind kind words. Um, we're you know we're how we're doing it right now on my phone um i'm going to continue probably doing that because my phone it, this one thing i love about iphones their cameras are flipping sweet um because it's a brand new camera where on my laptop it's this my laptop it works fine but the camera's a little wonky a little janky so we're probably gonna not that you guys um can maybe tell a little bit different or not but um I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue um, doing this from my from my camera phone. Um, some some cool things I want to say is I have had some people reach out to. Not that we're doing a bad job at at our audiovisual stuff, but I've had some people reach out. Some actually family members who want to make this even better to 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 want to make it more crisp, more more accessible to people. So we're going to try to do some video bumpers um, to put on a bumper. is just like a short uh, segment maybe before, like maybe have our logo that we have, the Revolution Church logo, with some music before we start or after. Or we might – and so if you're listening to it live or watching it live on Facebook, you'll see that. But obviously if I send the audio to Caleb, our producer, um, you won't obviously see that when it's on our podcast stream but just little things to to make it feel a little bit um, more than just me sitting uh, talking to you, which is great, which is important. But I, and I'm just totally um, humbled by people who want to help out. I can't, I could not say thank you more enough to Amanda for helping look through uh, the comments and questions for helping me set up. For Curtis, Curtis isn't here today, but. For all the things that he does, um, it's it's incredible. To Caleb, shout out to Caleb if you're watching or not. Um, for all the things you do with all my audio and and going behind the scenes to what that you know whatever I so I just want to give thank you to all those people that I don't always have the chance or will always say. But uh, this community is great. I know it's small. I know it's going to grow. But I can't thank anyone enough for. Um, doing that, um, this, as I said, this this church isn't mine. This isn't something that, yes, I give talks almost every Sunday, but this community is all of you. Uh, it's all of you who watch, whether you watch once or you watch every week. Uh, it, whether when we meet live or face-to-face again, we're still going to be doing the live as well. When we get through community, like whether community is face-to-face with people here in the cities or you're from all parts of the world. Like you, you, you all are the Revolution Church Minneapolis community. And from the bottom of my heart, uh, I thank you tremendously. Um, also, if you guys have any thoughts or ideas of what you want us to do in Revolution, maybe a little different. If there's a t- like a certain theme or a talk you want uh, me to give, uh, text me. Throw it in the DMs, my DMs. I'm on Instagram a lot. 
do that. Um, I do had one of our listener back in November, December, um, say they want me to talk about like the end times, things like that. Um, so I'm going to do that. I'm, I might not be maybe the perspective that they're hoping for. I'm going to probably start that in sometime in February. So tune into that. Um, also, I want to say just check us out on Instagram. There's so so many social medias that we can be a part of. Um, but I'm going to, for right now, I'm just going to stick obviously to Facebook, uh, Facebook and Facebook Live and then Instagram. I don't have time or the energy to, to do Twitter or to get a TikTok or Snapchat, all these things. Um, maybe one day I'll do that. But for now, is find us here on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. I know I'm on both of those all the time. Also, check us out um, on Sacred Sacred MN on Instagram. Sacred Collectives is a podcast that I do with Amanda and Caleb and a whole bunch of other people. Um, and that's where this, these talks go up because um, it's cheaper than getting you know another feed going. So I know I've talked a lot. I'm a little tired, but thank you, thank you, thank you for watching. Um, if you, as I say every week, if you like what we're doing, um, spread the word to friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think might like this, because um, it means the world to us. Um, people tuning in and and supporting us, um, and that's that's how these things take off. That's how these things grow. Um, to to uh, is by word of mouth. Um, we're still talking to Bryant Lake Bowl. I've kind of have a, this love-hate relationship with him right now because I feel like it's kind of falling on deaf ears. So hopefully we're going to meet at Bryant Lake Bowl here because some of these restrictions of COVID have, have died down. I know a couple people said that are going to, who live close to Bryant Lake Bowl might reach out to them. We're either going to meet at Bryant Lake Bowl or some other bar or restaurant in Minneapolis. Um, so that's coming. That's coming in the pipe. Uh, but as of now, we're going to continue to do, do live because I think that's, helping a lot of people and hey you can stay in your pajamas and be in bed and watch this instead of having to get dressed up in i guess regular everyday clothes to come to a bar to to listen but yes thanks everyone check us out on instagram check us out on facebook if you don't if you can't listen to us live always um the next week this talk will be up so this talk will be up next sunday um and thank you for whatever for all that you do for all you know who you are and the last thing i'll say is uh, love your enemies. It's not, it's not easy. It's probably going to be one of the hardest things you do. But if the gospel, or if Matthew could do it, Jesus could do it to Matthew, to, to Peter, to all these people who ended up could be enemies to them, um, turned out to be super close and content with them and loved them. Show, show your enemies love. Show your enemies grace. Because we don't know what kind of battle or struggle that they're living every day so with that i'll sign off thank you again for everyone and we'll see you next week bye we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100 percent by listeners like you to make your 100 percent tax deductible donation today please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate you can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website That was a post-Christian podcast.